we put together like, okay, here's our pitch. And I was like, you know what? I don't think now's the right time. Like we have to make sure everything's like going well. I was kind of dragging my feet mostly because I was afraid of rejection. And he was like, come on. Let's just like go get our feet wet. Let's get feedback from three people, three conversations, and we'll get feedback and see if we have something. And then we did that and it went well. And those three conversations turned into nine conversations that turned into, you know, like, and it just started to multiply so quickly that it was like, okay, this is happening. Like you either get on the saddle or you leave the stadium. And so we just went for it. Yo, 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 yo. My name is Jonathan Steers. My co-host is Doug Diakite, and we welcome you to Find Your Freedom, the best entrepreneurship podcast. Being an entrepreneur is hard. That's why we created findyourfreedompod.com to compile all the resources you need to find your own freedom. Today, we are joined by Allie Nichols, the founder of Getaway, a real estate company whose goal is to empower real estate entrepreneurs to build portfolios, without having to come up with all the money up front. We are super happy to be on today, Allie. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. Excited to be here. Welcome to the podcast, Allie. Allie, I have to start by saying your resume is out of control. I was going through doing our research for the pod today, and I was just like, Uber, IBM, a successful competitor to Airbnb, and then now you founded your own company. Which stop along the way was the most fun for you? Oh, gosh. Uh- <laughs> You know, it's hard to pick one experience, but I definitely think that earlier in my career, so I started at IBM, you know, IBM has, I believe it's like 400,000 employees globally. It's a huge corporation. It's been around for over a hundred years. Um, and then, but I was living in San Francisco at the time and everyone in my social group was at a startup or at, you know, a younger tech company. I was like, Oh, how do I get into that? And at the time, (laughs) um, it was right as Uber was becoming more popular. Like people were actually starting to talk about it. They had just launched like Uber X and I was like, that company's changing the world. Like I want to work there. And so I did everything in my power to try and get a job at Uber, which included like 50 apply application attempts and getting rejected like over 50 times. But finally a team (laughs) took a chance on me at Uber and I ended up in the doors and that just changed, I think the trajectory of my career forever because I went from, you know, old school, big corporation to, you know, this company that only been around for, you know, a couple years if that at that point. And yeah, that is a significant yeah, what a huge shift. It was shift. crazy. <laughs> it was a crazy shift. And I was surrounded by all of these people that were so excited to be there and like really behind the mission and what they were working on and like really felt like owners of the company. Um, and I was like, oh, this is what it should be like. Like, this is the type of environment. These are the type of people that I want to surround myself with the rest of my career. And since then, I've just gone smaller and smaller, earlier and earlier. <laughs> so now, you know, having started my own tech, co- real estate tech company uh, with my co-founder. And so it's like that building and being around folks that want to change, you know, an industry or solve a problem for the masses, like that is just, it's a special place. So I think 
I won't say it's my favorite because there's too many favorites to pick, but I think it was one of the most pivotal in like my career journey. That's such an interesting response. I'm going to roll right with what you said, because that was one of the questions that I wanted to get to right off the bat. All right. So your current startup getaway, um, most companies start uh, from my experience by they see a problem in the world and they're like, I want to solve this problem. And I love I was reading through your website. And your, pro- your your website gave such a cool description of solving a problem, and I wanted to share it and then get your take on it. As the largest asset class in the world, real estate has been both a hallmark of the American dream and a primary path to building wealth, which is something that we've heard like over and over and over again on this podcast. But for younger generations, that opportunity is increasingly out of reach. And I was just like, wow, like, this is something that I hear weekly in just conversations with friends or um, other business associates. It's just like how real estate is so crazy and how like the threshold to get into it is impossible now. And how this is like, oh, we missed the bus. We're 10 years late. Like this isn't just a thing for me. And your company, like right on the website, it's just here's a big problem. Here's something that everyone's talking about. And you guys are cracking that problem. I love that. Can you kind of expand on how this all came about? Yeah. So um, previously, before we started Getaway, um, my co-founder and I were both at another real estate startup called Bungalow. um, And we had the opportunity of essentially that business model had transformed into becoming a um, operator for institutional capital. So think pension funds, hedge funds, the people that control all the money out there um, to buy single family rentals. Um, so okay. that's become a new asset class in the real estate space over the last call it 10, 15 years um, that people are really excited about. But the, and Doug, you can speak to this all day long because I know this is right up your alley, but the actual going out and sourcing, acquiring, running a transaction and then managing those assets is not something a hedge fund has a team to do, but they want exposure to the asset class. So that's where we would come in and we'd run that whole process. Um, Got it. Okay. Where I saw the opportunity and, and kind of like felt the, the pain myself is like, so I run a team that does this. I have like built all the processes and like product to do so, but like I can't go out and build my own portfolio because I don't have access to the capital that, you know, obviously these institutions do from not only an equity side or like a down payment side for those listening, but also the debt. Um, so how, how can we help? How can we build products that help more individuals be able to access this type of asset class and start building wealth? Right. And that was like the idea that I got obsessed with is like, just how do I help a normal American build their own real estate portfolio um, with all the knowledge that I've, I've gained? Yeah. Talking about looking for like a market with a big pain point. Like this is a pain point, (laughs) like such a huge number of people have like either, even if just their own home, but also like everyone's always been told the best way to build wealth is like getting in real estate. And everyone's like, well, I don't have a million dollars. So I guess I can't get into real estate. And you're like, oh, here's a solution for you. I got it. I just created it. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So are are you guys targeting and trying to specifically help, um, aspiring investors or owner occupant uh home buyer clients yeah it's a great question so we are we are solely focused on in investors uh meaning okay. i'm going out to 
to buy rental property to then rent out to others um, and build that up as, you know, whether you want to call it a side hustle, whether you want to make that your future business, the majority of our customers view real estate as their future retirement. Um, and I think one one major shift that we've seen and we feel really strongly about is the idea of the American dream is shifting. Um, you know, if you think about 20, 30 years ago, if you bought a house, you lived there for 30 years, you probably built up enough equity to retire on that. Like, I believe the stat is like 86% of the average American's uh, retirement comes from the equity in their home, uh, which is a crazy, crazy thought. Yeah, but it's nowadays, isn't it wild? Um, yeah. Nowadays, you know, me, I'm in my early 30s. I live in a major metro, like the starter houses in my area, like live in the Bay Area, for example, we're talking about a million dollars just to get into, you know, 800 square feet. Like that's not even enough over time to have a family. Um, And so where where we see a lot of traction and, and the shift is folks are saying, okay, I can't actually buy what makes sense for me where I work and live, but there's an opportunity to buy real estate potentially in other states or other markets that I can start building this business around. That business over time will start paying me, help me maybe subsidize my living costs in X market. Um, and then I, I'm building equity for my future retirement, my to pass down to my children. Like the same equity build can still happen. It just looks different than it being your primary home right outside of, of the city. Um, so that's really the trends that we're seeing and, and trying to help folks achieve. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I mean, for me personally, uh, I just bought my first primary residence two years ago and had already purchased hundreds of homes all over the country before <laughs> even just being able to buy yeah. my own home for my family. So yeah, there you go. So I feel that. <laughs> you're living, you're living the thesis. Yeah, exactly. Living proof that your business will work. This is going to go big. I believe, I believe. So So now that we have an understanding about the company and, and what you guys are doing to help folks out there start their real estate portfolios, um, at what point at Bungalow, you said you started at the biggest company out there, the Goliath, the IBM, and slowly worked to the smaller, earlier stage companies and to the, took that to the ultimate end, which is starting your own. So at, at Bungalow, at what point did you start at Bungalow with the idea that let me work here for a few years and then I'm going to start my own thing? Or was it you're at Bungalow for a couple of years and starting to think, hmm, maybe I can do something similar myself? It's a great question. I think my whole life, I've always thought the end goal is like, working for yourself. Um, I was super fortunate to see my dad had a solo business growing up. So in, you know, your parents are your heroes. I'm like, that's, you know, that's what success looks like. That's what I want to do. So I had that deep, deep in the back of my head, but then, um, entering into this, you know, tech industry and world, I didn't, I didn't quite know until I was in these startups that like, oh, there's a path where like, if you're, you know, become an er like an expert in a certain area and can come up with a cool idea that can help 
change lives of a lot of people or have a lot of customers, like you can actually go fundraise for that. And so I think my time at Bungalow, because it was smaller, I joined them. They were at seed stage at the time, less than 10 employees. I got to, and then I stayed through series C. I like got to see firsthand how that all worked and, and kind of the behind the curtain of like the venture backed world in that sense and built the confidence to say like, Oh, like maybe I could do this. Like, so let's go out and try. Um, but I, I think I had to go through that experience to learn about it. Yeah. You see, so you got to, you got to peek behind the curtain or uh, got yeah. to open the kimono, got to open up the kimono as they say. <laughs> so let's talk about the, let's talk about that, um, period where you're, you said you're kind of building your confidence. You're watching this happen from a company that you joined of 10 people all the way through, uh, into the fundraising stages. How did, how did that process of building the confidence, um, uh, play out all the way up until yeah. you made the final decision that you're going to go and, and pursue your dream of starting the company? Yeah. So the biggest thing and anyone who's listening that's like thinking about that someday they want to, you know, go down the path of, of a venture, you know, raising venture capital, I would like highly recommend them working at an early, early stage startup because you get this experience. Um, but I would say for me, it was like, okay, you're on a really small team. Everyone's kind of in a lot of ways doing everything and then getting the opportunity to just build so many different skill sets. Um, you know, the nature of my role and like what I kind of found out that I was good at is finding a problem and fixing it. And when you're at a startup, you get to do that across the board. Like, so for me, it was like, oh, I got to work on, you know, building a sales function. Um, I saw a market opportunity. So I was able to launch a new product. Um, you know, we needed to build out a better customer support org. So got to set that up and learn that, uh, was working on like, okay, what are our legal documents and contracts need to look like? How do we interface with product? What is the tech we need to build to deliver on these things? So you just get such a well-rounded view of a business and going from like zero to one and one to 10 and 10 to a hundred that it's such an invaluable experience. Like, especially if you want to go that direction that, it's more just like reps and seeing how something's built and then being able to have your hands in like so many different pieces of the puzzle. So you built all those skills out. And I think that's a great advice that you just shared, which is, you know, to get into a small startup and, and have the visibility to see what the decision makers are doing. And, and again, going back to all the, not just the behind the scenes of watching, but actually doing and building those skills through your own reps um, so the decision, so, you, you know, you're building confidence, you're building skills, but at a certain point, there's a critical time where you have to make that decision. And it is scary. Even if you feel some confidence and even if you feel like you're ready and you want to try it, there's still that fear that we have to overcome. So what was that like for you? Did you, were you fearless or did you kind of feel a little, uh, a little <laughs> conflicted? And how did you, how did you overcome? So she looks pretty fearless. <laughs> she looks pretty fearless. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. So much self-doubt. Um, 
I have to, I had to give shout out and props to my co-founder because, you know, we, we were working on ideas and we got really excited about one permutation and things just started to happen. He was like, you know, let's, let's test this. Let's test demand. Um, and then we, we put together like, okay, here's our pitch. And I was like, you know what? I don't think now's the right time. Like we have to make sure everything's like going well. I was, I was kind of dragging my feet mostly because I was afraid of rejection. And he was like, come on, let's just like go get our feet wet. Let's get feedback from, you know, let's put our idea in front of a few people and like three people, three conversations and we'll get feedback and see if we have something. Baby steps. And then we did. Yeah. Yeah. Baby steps. And we did that and it went well. And those three conversations turned into nine conversations that turned into, you know, like, and it just started to multiply so quickly that it was like, okay, this is happening. Like you either get on the saddle or you leave the stadium. And so we just went for it. But I was not, I was very hesitant. I think the biggest thing is like the fear of rejection. It's like you put your heart and soul into something and your ego and like your pride, because I think we all care so much about what we do, or you wouldn't be in this space. Um, so getting out there and hearing people say you're crazy is not easy. I think when we were fundraising, we got, we talked to, gosh, a lot of different firms and heard a lot of no's, but we also right. heard some yeses and that's all that matters. Yeah. Throw out a net. I love that. And I love how you're speaking directly to the audience. Like, I think it's great to hear you say, like, you got to go get the experience firsthand. And I think that people may be hearing that and being like, you know what, I'm not in the Bay and I'm not, you know, I don't have the opportunity to work at Uber or any of these startups. And they think like they just kind of write off that advice. But when I'm hearing that, I'm thinking how applicable it is to every person, depend no matter what niche or industry you want to get into. Like, if you have an interest in hotels go get some experience in a hotel. If you want experience in real estate, you know, you can go get into real estate. There's, there's an open door into every industry. And if you think you want to eventually start a company in that industry, you got to go start getting experience in it. And I think that, you know, I, I want to make sure that the audience isn't brushing off what you're saying, just because where you were was, you know, obviously in, you know, what everyone dreams about, you know, this, you know, watching the Uber movie and um, thinking like, oh yeah, like I'm not, not, it's like your advice is so applicable universally. And I think, totally. you know, I think it's important that people hear that. Yeah. You will know the problem you're solving so much better if you have that experience, like, and you'll have so many more insights than just going into something cold. So it's like, it's worth it even to be a better entrepreneur in your field. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we hear that over and over on this podcast is like, how do you expect to be good at doing these things or to be able to appropriately manage these problems if you haven't gone out and, and done it? A lot of our audience, when I talk, when we get feedback or when we get comments and notes on things, it's like, oh, well, I'm just in a job that I kind of hate and I'm just buying my time. And it's like, if you're buying your time, you're wasting time. Like go get into something that even if you're not making a ton of money doing it, you're learning a shitload. Like go learn at everywhere you are and make the best of that situation. I have a bunch of mentees. It's like, that's probably the most common thing I say to them. It's like, get experience and suck up as much knowledge as you can from every opportunity. And it sounds like just, you know, from your story that you've told us already, it's like you were in every opportunity, 
just like sucking up, like what experience can I get from this? How can I learn from these people? And like really like making the most of every moment. And I think that's such an important piece of getting, um, setting yourself up for success. Um, so I wanted to follow up and say, it's, you've gotten this front row seat to all these incredible companies. What is it that you're bringing from that experience into your own baby now? What is like your goals mm-hmm. and what is your your real learnings that you're like, this is how I want to raise my, my new baby company. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, there's definitely, you know, from seeing these companies, like the DNA or the culture of the company that I really resonate with and like, or companies I've worked with that I'm trying to bring into getaway are really around, um, this idea of like, we're going to go out there and out execute everyone. Uh, like when it comes yes. down to it, I think one thing that's like core to who we are is our execution ability and like speed of implementation. Um, one thing that we do a really good job of is if something's not working, we pivot and we move quickly on that and are really, you know, don't fall in love with your own idea too much because it's going to change 10 times over. Um, That's something that we've, we've learned and have been really good at adapting to. And especially now, right now, like we're, you know, we're a consumer business. Like the, the, the economy is a little shaky. Like interest rates are the highest we've seen in a very, very, very long time, at least in my adult lifetime too. Right. And so being adaptable to that and understanding like what are the areas that, you know, and levers in your control and like, how do we stay on top of that um, are all things that are really important. And then I think just in general, like bringing, you know, hiring really smart people that are really invested in what you're doing. And then also like treating them very well is something that's very important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. Um, and I also uh, sort of, as I, as you were talking, I was thinking back through your resume again, and it seems like you've kind of spent a similar amount of time at each of the companies. And I was wondering if you was, if, if that's something you would advise our audience to also do kind of like, don't stay somewhere too long, or do you think that that happened intentionally or that was just where the opportunities were? Yeah, I think for me, it's more just been opportunity based, um, you know, my time at Uber, like Uber grew so fast. It, it was, I believe when I joined, it was like 1500 people. And when I left, we were 17,000. So it's, that's a different company. Like that is just completely a different company. Um, and then very similar to my time. I definitely spent the most time at Bungalow, like close to five years. And again, I joined and we were a seed stage. Like everybody was in a room. There's like eight of us to <laughs> when I left, it was like a well-established series C company with a few hundred people uh, and a game plan. And it was like less, less like solving, like or developing, like here's the new thing we need to do. It was more like, okay, we got it. Now let's execute turn this baby into a profitable machine and keep going. Um, so for me, I've realized I love being in this space where it's, we're innovating. We're trying to figure it out. We're like kind of trying to find the product market fit and figure out how to scale something. And then once it gets to 
that scaled piece, it's like a little bit less fun. It's more of the machine. So I think (laughs) I'll probably spend the majority of my career in this like early stage. So to answer your question, I think it's up. It's kind of your own journey at that pace at that point. Yeah. Just kind of following the opportunities where they are, figuring out what works for you and, and your own personal circumstances. Um, one of the things you mentioned earlier that, uh, that kind of stuck out was when I asked you about the scary decision to, to, uh, start your own company, you gave shout out to your co-founder, your partner. And, you know, we've had a lot of entrepreneurs on this show that have gone it alone. And then we've had many that have that part, that ride or die partner, like myself and my cousin, Jonathan has two wonderful partners. And, uh, so there's, there's no one right, right way to do it when it comes to deciding if you're going to go it alone or, or go with a partner. But I'm curious, um, you know, it sounds like he kind of got you over the hump with, in, in terms of overcoming the fear, um, and starting the, the company, um, what, what do you feel like you bring to the partnership and, and what do you rely on from your partner, uh, to bring to the partnership? Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. Um, so we balance each other out in a really well, great way because my superpowers are really around the business side and thinking through like, okay, what can this turn into? How are we going to like make it happen from a conceptual perspective? And then like, let's go execute and like really run at that across sales, marketing, you know, legal, all of the kind of like true core business functions. And then he is incredible because he can take that and like actually translate it and turn it into a real like technology or, you know, technical product. Um, oh, that's awesome. And <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> um, and so from there, like we were like kind of peanut butter and jelly in that sense. Uh, <laughs> but, but yes, I think, you know, I'm the, I'm the real estate nerd. I love the space. I really, really, really like, you know, love to spend time with our customers and understand their pain points and like, what is the problem we're actually solving and how we can do that better. And then he, he's really been amazing at helping me translate that into, uh, you know, an actual product from a tech perspective where we can, we can be, faster and we can process more customers and we can do things that you couldn't just do with like an all human sales team, let's say. And so that's been like a really great combination. Peanut butter and jelly is really good. (laughs) (laughs) I love the peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. The yin and the yang. And, um, did you guys kind of identify those things coming in or did that kind of just evolve and, and, and you start working and figuring out where his strengths and weaknesses lie and where's your, where yours lie? Yeah. We, we kind of got to cheat because we were doing this before. <laughs> so at our previous company, we worked together and it was very, a very similar relationship. Um, and so it just kind of carried on. Like we, you know, you knew what you were getting when we started, but it was so funny. It was we never talked about starting a company together. We never were like, oh, you own that, you own that. It just truly happened so organically. Like we were working on, you know, normal business stuff. And then on the weekends, we'd work on side projects just because it was fun and we enjoyed doing it. And then all of a sudden it was like, 
oh, we're doing it. Like we never, we're never like, oh, we're going to start this company. What are we going to do? How are we going to structure it? It literally just happened. I think back to that. I'm like, is that normal? I don't think that's normal. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, it's like really refreshing to hear, you know, when a partnership's working really well, like yours is. And I feel the same way about mine. I mean, when it's working well and it's a good partnership and both people are bringing a lot of, excuse me, a lot of value and enjoying working with one another. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, cause you hear so many horror stories about partnerships and, oh, this person yeah. stole money from me. This person's lazy. They don't do what they say they're going to do. And there's so many different ways that it can go wrong, but when it works and the two people are on the same page, bringing a ton of value, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So as far so I want to kind of transition, uh, get to, get to understand a little bit more about how you, how you've gotten to where you are, um, you know, uh, we, when we talk to guests about, you know, where did they go to, to learn? You've already talked about all the learnings that you had from working at the startups and watching them grow from a tiny company into these, um, behemoth rocket ships. Um, where do you, um, where do you go for, for, uh, learning and development outside of working in the business and on the business? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I like read a lot of newsletters and article, like blog posts and things like that from people within kind of the industry and venture capital too on like what they're seeing. Um, I have a great, luckily I'm like, very fortunate to have a great network of former colleagues and friends that are going through similar phases or have previously started companies that I can lean into. And then I'm a huge proponent of having an executive coach. If you're in this type of position, um, I have to give my coach a huge shout out because she's awesome. Um, but that's like super, super helpful in actually getting like really, you know, tactical feedback about, Hey, this is what's happening in the business here's how I'm feeling. How do I, how should I handle these situations? How do I get better? You know, it really, a lot of that on the day-to-day stuff comes down to like better communication, um, across the board. So if you're in that position and, and can, can get an exact coach, I would highly recommend it. I'm curious about that. Um, with the executive coach thing, uh, something that I haven't done. I don't think Jonathan has either. Um, and we don't hear, yeah, we don't hear about it. Uh, a ton. I don't know if any of our guests have talked about having an executive coach. I was just thinking that Kate, Kate does that. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it something that's kind of common in, in your industry that people go out when they're starting up a new tech company and they, they get an executive coach? I would say it's pretty common in the, in, in my space, like the, you know, the fortunate workplace to be like when you are venture backed is like, you you do have resources right away. Then everything becomes though about a hundred X saying a hundred X saying like you're chasing like these really big lofty goals. But with that, right. you know, you're building a team really fast. You're, you're scaling like the, the idea, like the ideal state is you're growing so quickly that things shift are shifting around you all the time. And like having that extra support, um, especially like for myself, I'm a first time founder um, and, and CEO. So just like managing not only your team, but your investors expectations, plus your growth. Like there's just a lot there that if, if it's something that 
you know, is accessible to, to you, um, most, most people will do it. And the VC, like the venture capital community usually, uh, encourages it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's, it makes perfect sense because it's such, you know, you're really doing a lot of internal battles and like you were saying, battling just the confidence to do these different things and then battling the imposter syndrome, you know, especially yeah. as, a, as a first time founder, that makes perfect sense to have a cheerleader who can also give you a little direction. Um, when you're making these really impactful decisions that are going to, you know, alter your business and other people's lives so much. Um, one thing that I wanted to sort of uh, lean into was that you were talking about your network. And I think that I wanted to make, I want to make sure the audience didn't miss that, that that was another piece of insight from your vast experience at all these other companies. You know, yeah. it seems like, um, potentially you probably put in some time into building relationships and maintaining those relationships. Do, do you think that that's a valuable recommendation and what was kind of your uh, philosophy on that over the years? Definitely. Um, I, <laughs> I like, I kind of have strong opinions about networking. I hate this idea of like, Oh, I'm going to go network. It's like the network I've built are people that I've worked with that trust me because I've delivered an amazing work product or I've been a really good partner to work with. And those are the people I know that no matter what I can call, I can get their feedback. If I need them to test something for my company, they'll do it. Like they'll tell me the truth, but I, I didn't network those relationships. I built those relationships and then they become my network. Um, I'm not saying that you can't go out and like meet people and, and, you know, find a mentor and things like that. I just think it's so much easier to do it through building up your own reputation with folks versus going out and like asking people for things. It's like, it's like, what value, what value can you bring other people? Because everyone's so busy. Everybody has like a million things to juggle. So, um, I'm like, I hate that networking. Yeah, I love how you, I love how you started. I actually have a really I have a really strong opinion about networking. <laughs> it's more like you know, like building your brand around people that you respect, and then if you do that well, like you'll be able to call those people for the rest of your life. Um, yeah, I, I so think just that's great advice. Doing really solid work. Yeah, and you know, and it's kind of a little bit of a give and take. Also, you have to be in a put yourself in a situation where people are able to see your skill set and where you are able to give them value. Um, so, you know, obviously at Uber or IBM, you know, or some of these other positions, you're in around a, a big group of people that you are able to have those situations with. And then some people just aren't, aren't in those situations where they're, you know, maybe they're in a, a company that they don't feel there's a lot of people that, um, mm-hmm. you know, might be great mentors for them. So maybe they need to go outside of the, the circle a little bit more and be a little more extroverted to go for them. But I totally feel you on making sure the lasting relationships are the most valuable pieces of the network. And, um, you know, just having a little bit of face time with people doesn't always get you to where you need to be. Um, mm-hmm. One of the questions that we always like to ask um, each of our guests is how would you personally define entrepreneurship? That's such a good question. Uh, I would define entrepreneurship as trying to create any sort of business uh, on your own. Like, I don't, it, that could be anything. It could be starting up my own consulting firm. It could, where I'm selling my services. It could be, you know, buying 
you know, investing in a car wash and turning that into your own business. It could be buying 10 doors or properties and building a rental portfolio. Like I view that as entrepreneurship. It could be going out and trying to raise capital and build a a company. So um, just putting yourself out there and being the sole, you know, it it works or it doesn't work you know the everything falls on your shoulders um that's how i view entrepreneurship i love that i love that was there um when you look back over your years at all these incredible companies was there a specific piece of advice that you received that you felt was the most impactful or one or many pieces of advice that you thought really was like wow this stayed with me mm. i think you know the thing that has run true and it's going to sound very cliche, but like the, like, don't give up on your goals. There's always a way. I think one thing that's like stuck with me and, and what I've seen of people I respect and in myself as well is like, if it's something that you want to achieve and get to, there's a way to get there. Like if it's not working right now, you might not be going down the right path. So how do you take a step back and reassess like how to get there, but don't give, don't give up. Like you run into one roadblock. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. Um, and so that's something I take, take with me all the yeah. time. Yeah. So simple, but there's, I think it's funny when people say that things are, you know, cliche, because it's like, well, if it's being said over and over, there's probably something to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so simple because I, I mean, from all the companies that that I've started in all the companies that, you know, I've seen, it's just like, man, there's so many inflection points where this could go either way. And if you don't make it go the way that you want it to go, or you need it to go, then like, yeah, it's not going to work out. So, so however cliche it is, like, I think that's such a simple, but valuable piece of advice. So I, I think it was awesome. Yeah. My, my first thought was back to our guest Grant from a few episodes ago, whose business went to zero four times right. and he never gave <laughs> up. So you made me made me think back on that conversation we had with Grant. That that one stuck with me. Tell me that Grant's business is not at zero now. <laughs> I, I hope it isn't, but I don't know. Maybe <laughs> hopefully hopefully he's not on number five. But uh, but no, I think he's doing very well. Um, yeah, no, it's good. been it's been good. Go Grant. We're yeah, training Grant. On Grant. We've had a couple Grants. They've been great. We love the Grants. Um, so. Tell us the best decision you've made. So, you know, obviously we're making millions of decisions throughout our careers to... Marrying my husband. There we go. Okay. Oh, wow. Bonus point. You got a shout out for oh, your um, executive coach, a shout out for your co-founder, and now a husband shout out. You're hitting all the important send ones. That, send that yeah, timestamp right? to your husband when this thing comes out. Yeah, exactly. No, we just got married, so it's fresh. Oh, newlyweds. Oh, okay. okay. I love that. Congratulations. Talking about great, <laughs> having the importance of great partners in your journey. Boom. Um, totally. So, so you're a young company, you're still young. You got this huge career out in front of you. What do you have on the horizon? What are you looking forward to in the next five years of, of your career and in your business? Oh, it's, you know, it's really, I just want to help as many uh, investors and our customers as we possibly can. Like, I, you know, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but there's a huge opportunity. Things are shifting. I really think Getaway has the opportunity to help more and more Americans like get to where they want to be from, you know, freedom of 
not only finances, but time um, and the ability to do what they want to do and spend life the way they want to live life. Um, So our goal is to just help as many, hopefully millions of people over the next few years. It's just cool to have a business where there's an opportunity to help millions of people. Like, I just think that alone and just know that there's that scale there. I think it's such a cool thing to be able to find a find a problem that you're providing a solution for that is so widespread. So good on you. I think that's awesome. What is the um, sort of parting advice that you'd like to give for our audience of aspiring entrepreneurs to help give them inspiration and courage like you've been helped by some of your peers along the way? Yeah, I think taking from my own my own lessons, it's like, you're never going to find out you're never going to get feedback on like what whether positive or or areas for improvement if you don't put yourself out there. So taking the leap, putting yourself out there, trying things and getting feedback so that you can iterate is the most important thing. And Jonathan, you hit on this earlier, like the sooner you do this, the better off you are because as life, as you get older, you have more responsibilities, you have other people to worry about, potentially have children to worry about. So like, Stop waiting. Go now. Do it now. <laughs> I love that. Yes. <laughs> we just we just got our cold open intro picked. <laughs> Allie talking directly to everyone. Go do, do it, it now. now. <laughs> do it now. <laughs> Allie, we, we all have such different paths to sort of finding our freedom and finding our way. So I just wanted to make sure you knew that we super appreciated you sharing your story with us. I think this is going to come across really inspirational for a lot of people. Awesome. You guys, this was super fun. <laughs> let's help let's do it let's go help millions uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to reach out to you where should we send them yes so best place to find me and actually get to be is my linkedin um just check out ali nichols type in getaway you'll find me um Perfect. and then if you want to check out our product getaway.co just co. awesome i love that thank you so much for your time ali this was really fun awesome thanks guys thank you ali being an entrepreneur is hard That's why we created findyourfreedompod.com to compile all the resources you need to find your own freedom.